Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 16 of the letters of Samuel Rutherford. I will probably only read one and a half letters today because the second letter is a rather long one to all of his parishioners. And I'm trying to stay within the uh, approximately 15 minute range in the episodes. So I'll stop in the middle of his second and long letter and um, pick it up next episode. To James Hamilton, Aberdeen, 7 July, 1637. Reverend and dearly beloved in our Lord, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Our acquaintance is neither in bodily presence nor on paper, but as sons of the same father and sufferers for the same truth. Let no man doubt that the state of our question, which we are now forced to stand to, by suffering exile and imprisonment is, if Christ should reign over his kirk or not. Oh, if my sinful arm could hold the crown on his head, howbeit it should be stricken off from the shoulder blade. For your ensuing and feared trial, my very dearest in our Lord Jesus, alas, what am I? to speak comfort to a soldier of Christ who hath done a hundred times more for that worthy and honorable cause than I can do. But I know those of whom the world was not worthy wandered up and down in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And while there is one member of mystical Christ out of heaven, that member must suffer strokes till our Lord Jesus draw in that member within the gates of the new Jerusalem, which he will not fail to do at last, for not one toe or finger of that body, but it shall be taken in within the city. What can be our part in this pitched battle betwixt the lamb and the dragon, but to receive the darts in patience that rebound off us upon our sweet master? or rather, light first upon him, and then rebound off him upon his servants. I think it a sweet north wind that bloweth first upon the fair face of the chief among ten thousand, and then lighteth upon our sinful and black faces. When once the wind bloweth off him upon me, I think it hath a sweet smell of Christ, and so must be some more than a single cross. I know that you have a guard about you, and your attendance and train for your safety is far beyond your pursuer's force or fraud. It is good, under feud, to be near our ward house and stronghold. We can do little to resist them who persecute us and oppose him, but keep our blood and our wounds to the next court day when our complaints shall be read. If this day be not Christ's, I am sure the morrow shall be his. As for anything I do in my bonds, when now and then a word falleth from me, alas, it is very little. I am exceedingly grieved that any should conceive anything to be in such a broken and 
empty reed. Let no man impute it to me, that the free and unbought wind, for I give nothing for it, bloweth upon an empty reed. I am his overburdened debtor. I cry, down with me, down, down, with all the excellency of the world, and up, up with Christ. Long, long may that fair one, that holy one, be on high. My curse be upon them that love him not. Oh, how glad would I be if his glory would grow out and spring up out of my bonds and sufferings. Certainly, since I became his prisoner, he hath won the yoke and heart of my soul. Christ has even become a new Christ to me, and his love greener than it was, and now I strive no more with him. His love shall carry it away. I lay down myself under his love. I desire to sing and to cry and to proclaim myself, even under the water, in his common and eternally indebted to his kindness. I will not offer to quit commons with him, as we used to say, for that will not be. All, all, forevermore to be Christ's. What further trials are before me, I know not, but I know that Christ will have a saved soul of me. Over on the other side of the water, on the yonder side of crosses, and beyond men's wrongs. I had but one eye, and that they have put out. My one joy, next to the flower of my joys, Christ, was to preach, my sweetest, sweetest master in the glory of his kingdom. And it seemed no cruelty to them to put out the poor man's one eye. And now I am seeking about to see if suffering will speak my fair one's praises, and I am trying if a dumb man's tongue can raise one note or one of Zion's springs to advance my well-beloved's glory. Oh, if he would make some glory to himself out of a dumb prisoner, I go with child of his word. I cannot be delivered. None here will have my master. Alas! What aileth them at him? I bless you for your prayers. Add to them praises. As I am able, I pay you home. I commend your diving in Christ's testament. I would that I could set out the dead man's goodwill to his friends in his sweet testament. Speak a prisoner's hearty commendations to Christ. Fear not. Your ten days, Revelation 2.10, will be over. Those that are gathered against Mount Zion, their eyes shall melt away in their eye holes, and their tongues consume away in their mouths, and Christ's withered garden shall grow green again in Scotland. My Lord Jesus hath a word hid in heaven for Scotland, not yet brought out. Grace be with you. To the parishioners of Amwath, Aberdeen, 13 July, 1637. Dearly beloved and longed for in the Lord, my crown and my joy in the day of Christ. Grace be 
to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I long exceedingly to know if the oft-spoken-of match betwixt you and Christ holdeth, and if you follow on to know the Lord. My day thoughts and my night thoughts are of you. While you sleep, I am afraid of your souls, that they be off the rock. Next to my Lord Jesus and this fallen Kirk, you have the greatest share of my sorrow and also of my joy. You are the matter of tears, care, fear, and daily prayers of an oppressed prisoner of Christ. As I am in bonds for my high and lofty one, my royal and princely master, my Lord Jesus, so I am in bonds for you, for I should have slept in my warm nest and kept the fat world in my arms and the cords of my tabernacle should have been fastened more strongly. I might have sung an evangel of ease to my soul and you for a time with my brethren, the sons of my mother, that were angry at me and have thrust me out of the vineyard. If I would have been broken and drawn on to mire you, the Lord's flock, and to cause you to eat pastures trodden upon with men's feet and to drink foul and muddy waters. But truly, the Almighty was a terror to me and his fear made me afraid. Oh, my Lord, judge if my ministry be not dear to me, but not so dear by many degrees as Christ my Lord. God knoweth the sad and heavy Sabbaths I have had since I have laid down at my master's feet my two shepherd's staves. I have been often saying, as it is written, my enemies chased me sore like a bird without cause. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. Lamentations 3, 52 and 53. For next to Christ, I had but one joy, the apple of the eye of my delights, to preach Christ my Lord. And they have violently plucked that away from me. It was to me like the poor man's one eye. And they have put out that eye and quenched my light in the inheritance of the Lord. But my eye is toward the Lord. I know that I shall see the salvation of God and that my hope shall not always be forgotten. And my sorrow shall want nothing to complete it and to make me say, What availeth it me to live? If you follow the voice of a stranger, of one that cometh into the sheepfold, not by Christ the door, but climbeth up another way. If the man built his hay and stubble upon the golden foundation, Christ Jesus already laid among you, and you follow him, I assure you, the man's work shall burn and never abide God's fire, and you and he both shall be in danger of everlasting burning, except ye repent. Oh, if any pain, any sorrow, any loss that I can suffer for Christ and for you were laid in pledge to buy Christ's love to you, 
and that I could lay my dearest joys next to Christ my Lord in the gap betwixt you and eternal destruction. Oh, if I had paper as broad as heaven and earth and ink as the sea and all the rivers and fountains of the earth and were able to write the love, the worth, the excellency, the sweetness and due praises of our dearest and fairest, well-beloved. And then if you could read and understand it, what could I want if my ministry among you should make a marriage between the little bride in those bounds and the bridegroom? Oh, how rich a prisoner were I if I could obtain of my Lord, before whom I stand for you, the salvation of you all. Oh, what a prey had I gotten to have you catched in Christ's net. Oh, then I had cast out my Lord's lines and his net with a rich gain. Oh, then, well-weared, painted breast and sore back and crazed body in speaking early and late to you. My witness is above. Your heaven would be two heavens to me and the salvation of you all as two salvations to me. I would subscribe a suspension and a fristing of my heaven for many hundred years, according to God's good pleasure, if ye were sure in the upper lodging, in our Father's house, before me. I take to witness heaven and earth against you. I take instruments in the hands of that sun and daylight that beheld us, and in the hands of the timber and walls of that kirk. If I drew not up a fair contract of marriage betwixt you and Christ, if I went not with offers betwixt the bridegroom and you, and your conscience did bear you witness, your mouths confessed that there were many fair trysts and meetings drawn on betwixt Christ and you at communion feasts and other occasions. There were bracelets, jewels, rings, and love letters sent to you by the bridegroom. It was told you what a fair dowry you should have and what a house your husband and you should dwell in and what was the bridegroom's excellency, sweetness, might, power, the eternity and glory of his kingdom, the exceeding deepness of his love, who sought his black wife through pain, fires, shame, death, and the grave, and swimmed the salt sea for her, undergoing the curse of the law, and then was made a curse for you. And you then consented and said, Even so, I take him. I counsel you to beware of the new and strange leaven of men's inventions beside and against the word of God, contrary to the oath of this kirk, now coming among you. I instructed you of the superstition and idolatry in kneeling in the instant of receiving the Lord's Supper and of crossing in baptism and of the observing of men's days without any warrant of Christ, our perfect lawgiver. Countenance not the surplus, the attire of the mass priest, the garment of Baal's priests, the abominable bowing to altars of tree, wood, is coming upon you. Hate and keep yourselves from idols. 
forbear in any case to hear the reading of the new fatherless service book, full of gross heresies, popish and superstitious errors, without any warrant of Christ tending to the overthrow of preaching. You owe no obedience to the bastard canons. They are unlawful, blasphemous, and superstitious. All the ceremonies that lie in Antichrist's foul womb, the wares of that great mother of fornications, the Kirk of Rome, are to be refused. You see whither they lead you. Continue still in the doctrine which you have received. You heard of me, the whole counsel of God. Sow no clouts upon Christ's robe. Take Christ in his rags and losses and as persecuted by men, and be content to sigh and pant up the mountain with Christ's cross on your back. Let me be reputed a false prophet, and your conscience once said the contrary. If your Lord Jesus will not stand by you and maintain you and maintain your cause against your enemies. That was episode 16 of the Letters of Samuel Rutherford. I should complete this letter to his parishioners next episode, DV.